is. It is another week in the books with the On Deck TV podcast Oops, show. I am Spike Lou. Man, holla at your boy Animal Brown, Animal underscore Brown, if you're looking for me on socials. Absolutely, man. I am Spike Lou on them same social streets right back on your head tops, man. How you feeling out there, AB, man? It's, we're in the dog days of summer. Yeah, no, I'm feeling good, feeling great. Shout out to the 4th of July. I do not pop fireworks. Shout out to those who do. Ever in life? You haven't? Nah, hell no. Nah. I don't fuck with fireworks. Shut up. Nah, I ain't fuck with that. It's too, it too unpredictable, man. I don't, I don't like it. You not being able to ride a bike or pop fireworks, boy, you had some miserable 4th of July's. That's a fact. And I can't barbecue either. I've never tried. Oh, my God, son. I can eat that shit, though. Are you even American? Are you even an American? <laughs> Are you even an American at this point? No, man. Shout out to the fourth, though, man. People are always getting a uh, back and forth. I see sometimes about celebrating this holiday, man. It's a day off work for people, man. It's a day to chill, a day to eat, be with the family in the summertime. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, call it whatever you want to. Yeah, call it whatever you like, man. But um, back to, like we said, Dog Days of Summer, man. We back in our influential album series. We ain't want to leave you hanging on that. We did the South. Now we're going to do the West. And we'll give you the East Coast at some point before the summer is over with. And Chris Brown talks about ghostwriting versus hip-hop and R&B. What he thinks about that. Killer Mike dropped a brand new single. And Cardi had a problem with her listing on that Rolling Stone article that you and I talked about here, A.B. But first, if you've been anywhere near social media, you saw Michael Rubin, hip-hop friend, billionaire, philanthropist, former owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. He had a white party in the Hamptons, man, and the viral clips were floating around. And to my surprise, Champagne Poppy had the mic, and he was going in, and Lil Uzi Vert, and all of these other people. My question to you, A.B., quick question, just want to know, are you performing at the kickback if you had rap skills? Yeah, first of all, if, I, if I'm in Michael Rubin's Rolodex, if I got billionaires in my Rolodex and I'm in theirs, mm. and I get invited to their all-white party, all-black party, all-orange party, mm. at their million, multi-million dollar crib in the Hamptons, if they want me to kick a few flows, my new album is out. Mm. My new dance album is ready to change the game. It's already influenced the likes of Beyonce and others. Influenced the likes of Beyonce is nuts. Stop. And somebody wants me, my billionaire homeboy wants me to kick a couple of, a song or two off, off the new joint. I can do that. That's no problem. Cause listen, you got friends in high places until I'm in billionaire status, then I'll go ahead and kick it with the billionaire and, and do that because I'm sure they got business shit brewing. Lil Baby was there. He put Lil Baby on the um, Fanatics slash um, he did. He did. Mitchell and Ness deal. Same with Meek Mill. We know what he's done for Meek Mill. So, with, yeah. That, with Meek Mill, not for. I mean, listen, Meek Mill was locked up, dude. Like, <laughs> listen, anything past that, that nigga was in a goddamn three by three, dude. So anything past that, he's helped him with. He's put him up on a lot of game. And so so to answer your question, if I'm Drake or any of those other artists not named Jay-Z that's already at a billion or Puff, who's already at a billion, then I'm then I can do a song or two. I'm not doing a full concert. But, yeah, I grab the mic karaoke, kick my new shit. Mm. Well. I could understand that, you know, that's probably what rappers sign up for and probably why I don't get it. That that thing that you were like, well, I want to be the center of attention in the room. So I guess that's one part of it that I don't get. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong to do it. I don't get it. I don't get it in the sense of I'm Drake and I'm coming to the party to be fly. And yeah, Mike Rubin's my boy. I'm not touching the microphone. These niggas was passing the mic around like a blunt. Everybody was hopping on, giving their verses for their songs. Like, bro, that's what the DJ is for. I'm here to kick it just like you niggas. I'm not putting in any work, especially if I'm a nigga like Drake. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just not doing that. I'm not getting sweaty. I'm not doing the whole like, no, I, I'm, I'm, just, no, bro. We cool and everything, but I just don't have it in me to perform at the kickback. We're all supposed to be peers here. It ain't a thing where. And that's why I tried to correct you on the did for Meek Mill. 
I feel like they should be looking at Michael Rubin, whether it's warranted or not, as a peer. They don't have as much money, but their impact on culture and they offer something to that relationship as well. They make him cool in a sense, like around all his rest his billionaire friends, you know, baby, and you can call Drake and Meek Mill. That's cool. But I'm not coming to perform at your party, bro. Just like Hove didn't perform. And I get what you're saying. He's probably on a higher level than those. Hove should have been tapping niggas on the shoulder like, uh-uh, bro. Like, <laughs> that out. Y'all didn't give him the microphone back. He ain't got no host for this party. Billionaire ass nigga come for no entertainment. Like, no, bro. I'm not here performing. And, and again, I'm not saying I'm right in this. This is just how I look at it in the same sense of when we talk about Rappers going up to the label and performing. Bro, you've heard my songs. I don't have to perform in a room full of 30 white people because you think it's cool. Because it would have been a nice story for you to go tell your husband that you did this today at work. Nah, I'm good. And I'm not saying that that's the way that Michael Rubin looked at it. I totally get the other aspect of it because I'm not a rapper. I don't get that wanting the attention part of it. But from even a fan standpoint, I wouldn't do that. I'm not doing Man, that. you had like Drake did a whole set. I seen I'm a clip. I'm not doing a bar, nigga. I seen the same that's clip. The, that's what the music is for, nigga. That's what I recorded it for. <laughs> for you to put it on here, I can get hype over here in the section and do my little poppy dance or whatever. But I'm da- I'm not touching, bro. I get paid to do this. I get paid a lot of money to do this. This nigga had a listers here. Yeah, nigga. Like if BT had called them last week and been like, "Hey, Drake, come through and do a set for us." What? That nigga would have laughed him off the goddamn phone, dude. And BET should be a bigger entity in hip-hop than Michael Rubin is. I know I, I talked about that in the group chat and wanted to bring it in here. It just seems like last week, and BET did a great job at the show, but I didn't see these A-list people at the BET Awards performing off the strength. Well, that's I, a bigger thing for the brand of hip-hop than performing at Michael Rubin's party. That's for you. That's I, for bro, the artist specifically. I couldn't tell the last time I saw... I don't know the last time I saw Drake perform at a at an award show. Number but one, but you giving Michael Rubin this exclusive? Like what? He did the, he did one what? song, dude. He did one I'm song, not, bro. That's one song too. That's sixteen bars too many. If I saw that. <laughs> that's too much, man. Like no, bro. Like if it's and too like I just it, it just it it look weird to me. The aesthetics of it look weird, especially after I found out LeBron had the white party too. On a whole other coast, though. He was on the West Coast. Okay, y'all niggas is like, like you gonna Boosie clone? Said, you gonna be two places like, at once? Like Boosie said, "Man, y'all niggas ain't gonna support me." I bet Boosie would have pulled up the Bron. Boosie didn't get an invite to neither one of them, actually. <laughs> but Boosie was talking about this. Niggas don't come to his shit on the same night. Bron go through the same thing. Boosie don't feel bad, bro. Don't feel bad. <laughs> Uh, hey man, moving on, man. Chris Brown, your man, just dropped a new uh, album. He is on his promo run. He was on Drink Champs, and he said that ghostwriting in R and B is different than ghostwriting in hip hop. He's saying in R and B, it's okay. Why? Because you can write all you want to. You're not gonna sound like Chris Brown when it when it comes out when the vocals come out. That's that you're not gonna do. Then he said when it comes to hip hop, people look at that as more of your story and being authentic. And if this is not coming from you, then it doesn't hit quite the same. Do you agree with that sentiment? He has some truth there. I don't think that he's giving enough credit to the talent of rappers, though. One of the quotes in there he said was like, yeah, you could be a writer and write that motherfucker, but you ain't going to sound like Chris Brown if you sang that motherfucker, which is a great point. Facts. Because Chris Brown got skills, and at the same time, you could do that for Kanye West. Like, Saha, you might sound great saying it, but you don't sound like Kanye. Mm-hmm. Like, Gilly, you may sound amazing with this pen stuff that you wrote, but it don't come out like Wayne has it come out. And I'm only speaking to the allegation of those guys, but I think we've gotten to a point in hip-hop where ghostwriting is okay. It's not about a top five MCs anymore. It's about the bigger acts. And what we were just even talking about with Michael Rubin's party. And like, are you there with the in crowd? Do people know your name? And that that doesn't necessarily consist of bars anymore. Niggas that can rap you under the table no more. They wasn't at Michael Rubin's party performing with the mic. And I'm sure that's where niggas is trying to get to, apparently, versus anything else is doing a 16 at Michael Rubin's white party. But with that being said, it's not as important as it was in the generation that Chris Brown experienced, that you and I experienced. Who's the best MCs, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas? 
we went through those phases. That's a a chapter in the history book of hip hop now. It's not necessarily current and it doesn't look like it's going to be that way in the future either when we're talking about the top lyricists of the game having to stick by what they wrote and being the top artist in the game. It just isn't that way. Yeah, um, and I, I think a major reason for this is that R&B is older than hip hop. Mm. Hip hop is still relatively new. So people are still grasping on to those old school ways of thinking like you have to be who you say you are on these songs. They can't separate the two. Yeah. Meanwhile, Rhythm and Blues has been around a very long time. Nobody cares about if you're writing it anymore. It maybe sound. at one point in time, maybe. Now, bro, nobody cares, bro. Like they don't, like it, it, it doesn't matter. And I think soon in time, you will hear the same thing about hip hop. Dude, we heard Quentin Miller's reference track, bro. It didn't sound nothing like Drake shit. When Drake said he rolling through the six with his woes, it slapped. When Quentin Miller said it, dude, it was like, okay. Yo, like, okay. But like, I, I think we'll get to a point where people won't take hip hop so personally. And you're seeing this with hip hop on trial with lyrics. Like, like hip hop still gets looked at like, Yo, you're, what you're saying on record is literally what you did last night, whether it be whatever it be. 50 Cent talk about in the, in the club, ball of bub, and he's never drunk. And he's told you he doesn't drink. LeJohn doesn't party and kick it like that, bro. He made all party and kick it music only for the nigga to really be like a marketing genius on Celebrity Apprentice when we seen him, dude. So, like, there will be a point where people will be able to separate the two and just take either A, good storytellers, or B, people that know how to make fun party music and you don't always have to associate with the music that's why people can do that's why usher can do confessions so, and nobody be mad that he's not talking about himself dude like you ain't got no baby on the side what people, that ain't you it, it slapped harder when they thought it was talking about him though no, like, it did now listen when something is based on a true story yeah. it always hits just a little bit harder <laughs> too. so let me ask you then are we explaining somebody said this is like talking about that Drake album, the death of hip hop. Is what you are explaining now and us getting to that point as hip hop grows, the death of what we know it as? No, it's I don't not. think so. Okay. Cause people haven't been writing their own shit in R&B for a long time. Well, even in that sense, you're right. But in the sense of take a look at Young Thug or take a look at the scrutiny that the drill scene in New York is getting. Yep. Like Joe Button was headlined and saying that in four or five years New York drill rap will be over. Probably. Young Thug is sitting in jail allegedly behind stuff that's in his lyrics. So we're talking about how real you keep it and what Chris Brown is saying. Well, people got to do what they live in in their raps. That's gotten people to a point now where they like, they're facing life in jail behind that. Exactly. Like, hey, those are the most scrutinized acts in hip hop now. The Florida guys that did the Tampa shit, the drill guys, Young Thug, the ones that are living their life, they getting caught now. That, that's so. That's my point. I was just watching <clears throat> Math Hoffa yeah. was on Vlad, and they were talking about the lyrics, being, lyrics being used in court. And they would say, like, yo, if you're committing crimes, please don't put them in your songs. But ain't that what hip-hop is, though? Like, people have come to the understanding that that's what hip-hop is. It's a representation of the streets. So if you don't have people that are able to realistically report in a sense, it is like dying. Reporting is one thing. Right. Telling on yourself is another. You know the best reporters, though. It be those shows that they go to the places, and you be like, damn, I can't believe she was right there with the drug smugglers and <laughs> the Michael K. William black market scammer where they talking to the scammer. It ain't necessarily, oh, I was out in the field, and this is what the scammer told me. You want to see that shit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's a, it's a, it's a, I think that's an interesting conversation to continue to hash out as we do the short mode. But like, there is some merit to the people from other generations saying that hip hop is dying because people aren't going to be able to speak their truths that Chris Brown is talking about. And that used to be what made you a hip hop artist. And so it'll be different now in the future. People won't care as much. They just want to know what sound good. Ad adaptation. You man. Nobody cares, bro. Like if 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 it really wasn't Ice Cube that was a boy in the hood, but he had the pen to make it sound like he was, then nobody's gonna care, dude. Is that shit hitting or not? Like too many niggas that can't rap 
but actually are living that life have infiltrated the game. And so it makes people think that you have to be that. I want, I would rather hear somebody that is actually talented mm. and not fresh out the trap, but really can't. They just look at it as a hustle. They really can't make music. They just kind of like tripped into like a little banger. And that's really it. And there's a million of them niggas. Like you could argue that's killing hip hop more than more than this other shit we talking about. Yeah. If those niggas, the niggas that you just described, if they got a good story, I'm there for it. Like the not if they can't tell talented, it. Halfway talented, good story. Cause you, you can grow into being a good rapper. That's possible. Everybody don't got a good story. That's possible. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a good conversation. Speaking of good conversations and bangers, our guy killer Mike just dropped a brand new single after 10 years on the shelf. Solo single. He's been doing his run to Jules thing, but this is the first thing Dolo has a young thug feature on there. It's called Run. Real simple question, Adam Brown. Are you here for the new Killer Mike single? Nah. Whoa. Nah. And I fuck with Killer Mike heavy. Um, I thought the song was mid. I'm not, I'm, Killer Mike is one of those artists that I'm a bigger fan of their personality and what they stand for outside of the booth than I am their solo music. Run the Jewels is okay, but I've never really been a fan of Killer Mike's solo music at all. Uh, I just never got into it. I believe he can rap. I just don't like the solo projects. And to be fair, I've never really given some of his stuff a real chance though. Like I'm sure somebody is screaming at the phone right now about some of his solo, like the rap music solo and stuff like that. I never really got into him like that on the solo tip, but from what I did listen to, I wasn't really feeling it like that. And again, he's a, to me, he's a better lyricist than he is a songwriter. And it shows when he puts out his solo music. So I, I wasn't really feeling the song. Um, I did, the video was kind of dope. Um, and I just, I, I'd rather hear, I'd rather watch a show or hear an interview than, than a song from Killer Mike at this point. Or take two minutes to tell me that you hate Young Thug without saying I hate Young Thug. You could have just did that. Just say I hate I Young Thug. I forgot he was on the song. Sure you did. That's probably the reason why you didn't like it and cut it off. Mm. I'm here for it. I like Killer Mike stepping back into this lane. Uh, the rock rap that he does with Run The Jewels <laughs> is cool for a certain crowd. It's cool mm. from a lyrical standpoint, like you said, it's sharpening the sword. But I do think that being in this lane offers Killer Mike the the room with, for more perspective on the culture, with it out always being talking, with it out always being on CNN or a television show. I like the fact that he can come back to this lane, still spit shit that's relevant to the brand of Killer Mike. And for me, I, I can totally get what you're saying because I'm not a big fan of his music either, but this song I like. I like the Young Thug aspect and the whole run. I, I like it. I didn't get to check the video out yet, but again, what I am most impressed by is how he's even Wayne getting back in this lane after being as successful with Run the Jewels, after doing everything else politically on TV, having that voice still stepping back into this hip-hop lane after 10 years. And it sounded fairly, this what I remember. It's better than what I remember, actually. I'll, yeah. I'll say that. It, it ain't necessarily nothing that I saved to my playlist, but it's, I liked it better than the rap music stuff. Killer, Killer Mike, I put him in the same lane as like a David Banner. Mm. Like I'd rather, like if a new interview popped up with one of them niggas, I'm pressing play immediately. Yesterday. Yeah, like immediately. And I'm and I'm a, let me be clear though, I actually like David Banner when he first came out, them first two or three, but I'm referring to like God Box and the more recent stuff. I'm cool on that. But I, today- well, He was saying that was the best album ever made, wasn't he? Man, listen. God Box. The funniest shit when we was in Revolt, and you seen David Banner, and you went to go dap him up, and he asked you, were you checking for that guy box? He said, man, I'm gonna keep it real with you, bro. I don't rock with your music like that. I'm more a fan of your personality. That shit was the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. I had to keep it real with him. I ain't want the nigga to think I be banging that shit, man. And he wasn't mad at it, though. He, he, he just told you to check for it. He said, he, he said, double back. He wasn't mad, but that nigga grabbed me extra Tough. tight on the pull-in for the Tough. Trying to kind of... He was mad aggressive. He Cause y'all was mad aggressive. He didn't really didn't like it, but he was like, he was on his Zen shit and trying to oh, let me hug this nigga out. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely felt that pause. The grip, the hand grip was definitely out of my stuff. hand. Nigga, relax, nigga. <laughs> but I fuck with David Banner heavy though, man. I'm a big fan. That was that was a dope experience right there. Is there anybody who else like like you can argue Vince Staples up until like these last. Know. 
These last two albums. Yeah, the last two should have been fire, but up until then, you could argue he was more talented in other areas. Facts. And he couldn't right. quite get the songs like how they needed to be up until like these last two, now. though. Right, like they are now. Um, But I am excited about what he... It seems like since he's hit his stride, though, speaking of Vince Staples, because we took this off the rundown so we can speak to it real quick, he's going to be doing a remake of The Wood on uh, Showtime, and he's going to be a white man can't jump. So it seems like even as he's gotten that, okay, now it's clicking for the music, I'm out of here. No, nah, that, but that's good, though. I'm here for because he can do it. He's yeah. a person that can do both. He said, and I like uh, both of them roles. I like both of them facts. movies for him. He, and he said that they, people have been recommending to him go do the Will Smith LL Cool J thing. He's relax, like, relax. Relax. <laughs> relax. Said, we not. These are his words. He said this. He said, I'm going to go Will Smith LL Cool J on these things. We're not going to do Will Smith <laughs> any kind of These are Vince Stables words. This is not Spike Lou saying <laughs> He said it's not me. Boy. He took it a step too far, dude. Yeah, relax. He's super excited about that. He's super you said excited he, about it. Uh, you said he doing White Man Can't Jump and what else? Um, A remake of The Wood. There's a pilot that they're shooting for that. <sighs> the Wood, a classic too, man. I don't no, know. He, uh, he got to be playing Slim, right? Yeah. Pearl. That would have to be him. Oh, it's, oh this is a man, show, though. Man. Yeah, it's a series of the wood. Oh, that's kind of hard, then. That's cool. Oh, nigga, yeah, that's cool. That. Okay. Absolutely. They should nah, that's cool. 10 years ago. I'll fuck with that. I thought it was gonna, I thought they're going to redo the movie. I'll be like, man, chill out. Nah, yeah, you can leave that alone. But I'm here for the show. I want to see what that's like. For sure. 100%. Before we uh, get to our most influential album series, West Coast version this time, your girl Cardi B was speaking facts about the Rolling Stone list ranking that we discussed a couple weeks ago on the On Deck TV show. She says, you guys use me. You only put me at this number so people would come from my head on a random beautiful Tuesday. And Animal Brown, I think she's speaking facts. What say you? A setup or should she just be good with the ranking? I think she should be flattered by the ranking. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's a necessary evil that people are going to comment on this list. And they know that she didn't make the fucking list. Like, she didn't. She's not the editor at Rolling Stone. People know this. Well, get out of she, my mentions like you don't know that, Dan. It's, it's what Cardi is saying. People are stupid. And so they're going to attack the wrong person when they get emotional. For the record, her album was number 16 on the top 200 list, if you remember, ahead of a couple of Biggies, Pox, Kanye albums, ahead of a lot of shit that shouldn't, it shouldn't have been ahead of, realistically. Now, that's not to say that, one, she's not uber successful. Two, the album wasn't good. Like That's not to say any of that. But, dog, we all know that's not supposed to be there. Cardi, Cardi kept it a stack. She was on Angela E. podcast. She kept it a stack. She was like, look, I know, like, nigga, this shit ain't better than Biggie's fucking double CD. I know that. You know what I'm saying? Service. Yeah, that's what she said. They said. Oh, man. I know she's yeah, nah. talking to Big Girl. I got to go listen to listen. that. I, I, hope, I hope this was the only music conversation that they went with, dude. I got to hear that, <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Lord, I got the uh, but now nah, she but I, I understand what she was saying and she was kind of lighthearted with it like man they set me up to get it roasted out here because yeah. she know it, it doesn't belong where it belongs and and Rolling Stone knows that and fans know that but they got misguided energy they should go at Rolling Stone with that not Cardi facts the most impressive thing about this response to me was how present Cardi B is being such a big superstar Oftentimes we come on here and we talk about comments that she's made and whether we agree with them or not, it still shows at how present she is in her career and what's going on. Like her head ain't in the clouds. Like it ain't no Lil Wayne shit where motherfuckers ask her about current events and she gives you some shit out of left field. You're right. I appreciate that about Cardi. I think that's what's going to make her stick around for a very long time and what makes her appeal to even like people outside of her fan base. Like everybody or the people that, that listen to her wouldn't necessarily be the people that she's talking to, but I can appreciate her coming out and saying this. 
Like yeah. it shows that she gets it. Like it'll been a lot of motherfuckers that will sit there and be like, "Oh yeah, man, sixteen. I feel like I worked hard for this album, and you know that's right there where it's, nigga, shut up, nigga. right? That's a fact. You would have been listening to them explain to her, and you would have been rolling your eyes at it. But with Cardi, there's always this thing that she gives you where you feel like that you can relate to her. Like yeah. I ain't this big superstar that everybody fucks with. I feel or look at shit just like you do, and I appreciated that the most out of this response. That's what I thought she really gave from it. Yeah, and she just dropped a new single to her first single in the stretch um, with uh, Kanye West and Lil Dirt. Kanye and Dirt. That song was mid. I'm going to be real. Super mid. Yeah, it was. was, it was it, that was mid, bro. I mean, she got Kanye on there. What you expect? Stop. and get Kanye West for <laughs> Stop. I, I don't know why she put him she- on there, though. I mean, but it's Kanye. Like you said, you, the, the two biggest, like, if I'm Cardi's label and you're like, well, how does Cardi come back out with another single? Oh, we can get Kanye West and Dirk? Do it. Damn, that's, you know, that's, that's, that ain't nothing, man. Whose idea was that? Nothing. Yeah, it's song ain't nothing. But that's what you get from her. This is her third single, though, right? She's had a couple. Yeah, WAP. Yeah, WAP. And then she got, uh, if it's up, then it's stuck. It's yeah, stuck. and then she had the one with Bruno Mars. So when she, she just been throwing platinum. Lucy's out there. Just Lucy's. That day of when she dropped his platinum, just because those are going to be on there. Like That's pay, at, they penny for that, too, if they do that. You're looking at, like, highest first day sales probably ever record, because those songs are definitely going to be on her album. It comes out nine months from now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. That's a That's fact. Right. And speaking of that Rolling Stone list, man, there was only one West Coast hip-hop album in the top ten. Holy smokes. Do you remember what it was? Dr. Dre, 2001. Nope, close. It was Kendrick to Pimp a Butterfly. Mm. So they even got that Rightfully wrong. So, so, so. no. Um, so we're talking West Coast albums, man. Most influential. You know how we get down. If you're just tapping in, we did the South uh, two weeks ago. Make sure you check that out after this one. Um, we're going to go over a couple of albums that we feel are influential, most influential West Coast albums in our respective eyes. I'm sure we have some overlap. We typically do. We don't want to sit here and try to get our reach on. There's a couple on here that's going to be on here. Um, but then we've probably got a couple that also we probably don't have any overlap on. Um, give me what, what, give me two, give me two layups. What, what's the, what, what do you kind of think of before we get into the more unique joints? The two layups for me were, of course, Doggy Style and The Chronic. Yeah. I always would. That introduced me to West Coast music. Um, during our era, the golden era of hip hop that we often refer to it as, I remember vividly Yo MTV raps, nigga, um, nothing but a G thing, Dre Day, Doggy Style, like the videos were a big deal. Nigga, I went and got the flannels. I had some lokes with my name on it, nigga, that I got from the flea market trying to be like Snoop and Dre. Like it was all the way in as far as just being what we seen from the West Coast. It played off of the boys in the hood and menacing society and colors movies that were very popular during that time period as well. So this this put the soundtrack to it. It wasn't like it was now. You pull everything up on your, your phone and you can just get access to any album. So West Coast music before then, like it was NWA, of course. Facts. And you would see some stuff on Rap City, but as far as it just making a wave, this was it hitting us mm. in the face down south. These two. I ain't mad at that. Obviously, I've got, I, I put Chronic, but I left Doggy Style off just because I figured that there would be some overlap. But that, man, come on, man. They go without saying. Um, I remember that nothing but a G thing video and that Dre Day, like on the box. Nigga, 24-7, just that, that, period. Like, starting my hip-hop experience, like, heavy. Like, oh, okay, this is my shit right here. And that, and that had the same effect for a whole lot of people. Please right. believe it. Um, I'm going to go with two that I feel are layups that you probably have at least one of these. I've got, well, you, you've probably got these artists, but maybe different albums. I've got Kendrick, but I went Good Kid, Mad City as the album that a lot of people thought was his solo. I mean, his debut is really not Section 80. It's technically his debut, but Good Kid, Mad City kicked the door down on bringing back storytelling and hip-hop as it relates to, like, a full, cohesive album. I feel like that was very influential. Um, And a lot of people have kind of piggybacked off of that. I actually have another album that 
is a result of that that came out afterward, but I'll touch on in a second. But I feel like it was very influential in kind of bringing back the concept album. Um, and then I have Pac, even though, yes, we know he was born in Baltimore and we get it, but I am throwing him in the West Coast music category because of the style of music that he made at a certain point. And it took, it took me 30 minutes to figure out which Pac album I was going to do, but I decided to go with the, probably his best work, which is Me Against the World. When I could have went with the double album, which is probably his, which is probably more like definitive, making him like a pop star. But I'm going, I'm going me against the world as his most complete from A to Z. And it's not even my favorite. My personal favorite is Machiavelli, personally. But if you were to poll the culture, you probably will get more votes for number one with me against the world. So I'm going with that, even though I wouldn't, or I wouldn't be mad if you picked either one of them three I named. I had Good Kid, Mad City, too. Um, I think that that album personifies what we're talking about. Influence of West Coast, of that being, like I said, it felt like a whole other world. So storytellers coming from that other world always translate, going all the way back to Spice One. I know those niggas used to have stories on their tapes, and even Snoop. Like murder was the case, so it's always been big, and I agree. Though to Pimp a Butterfly may be my favorite album to date. Yep, the Good Kid, Man City, as far as influence and West Coast, I one hundred percent agree there. Where I would disagree with you, Ed, and I think you've missed the layup here. Pac, I think, is one of the few artists that you can kind of like. There's a, a East Coast face phase, in my opinion, with Me Against the World. I think that falls under an East Coast phase. <laughs> I think that I think that All Eyes on Me was his West Coast album and then Machiavelli was like a universal superstar album of bigger than sides. Yeah. But I I'll put I put Pac's All Eyes on Me even though I prefer my favorite Pac album is Me Against the World. I feel For like sure. Me Against the World is a perfect album. 9.9 out of 10. Um but I think that that's not a, I don't think that that's a West Coast album. It reminds me it always in my head me Against the World was what Mob Deep tried to be. Like that album is what, like, just the, that's what I expected it being from down south as a, like a gritty East Coast album. On the other hand, with Me Against the World, or excuse me, with All Eyes on Me, that's West Coast personified. That's a mm. superstar rapper from the West Coast doing West Coast music with West Coast features. As like from a superstar standpoint now, not right, right, from a local, right. like Mac Dre standpoint, but just from a big superstar standpoint. So the all eyes on me as well would go versus me against the world. No, I can definitely understand that. Um, but it's it's we're grasping at straws. Uh, yeah, that, absolutely. That, you can't go wrong. You like yeah, yeah, yeah. preference there. Um, too, too many features on that double disc though. One day we'll have a real conversation about that. West Coast shit, man. That's West Coast shit. <laughs> That's West Coast compilation shit, man. I'm putting all my niggas there. And two, the reason there's a lot of features, like you said, we'll talk about it one day. Like, he had to, like, pay dues. I can't just mm. come out of jail screaming West Side without paying respect and having these niggas on here. Like, these niggas got to get down, too. This shit finna be big. Yeah, everybody come to the yo. I'm in and out. So you're saying Pac was getting extorted, is what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Shout out my guy, Glasses Malone, man. I've listened to numerous podcasts and songs about it. But uh, friends of the show, if I had to go two more that I'm 100% sure that you don't have, and if this isn't a ranking, these are just influential albums. For me, around the same time uh, the doggy style and stuff was out, two short cocktails. Oh, yeah. Head up a little bit, go up to the bay, man. That like You could tell that Los Angeles and Oakland were different. It was all the West Coast to us as Southern niggas, but you could tell listening to Too Short and what he was on, ICE 40, those niggas and what they were on versus Snoop, Dre, Easy, Cube. It was just different. Yeah. And I think that for me, the translation, and Too Short talked about some wild shit, perfect Facts. for a 12, 13, 14-year-old growing adolescent boy to hear so that's why i gravitated to it but 100 percent cocktails too short is one of them for me and then the other one the game documentary i got I that you got that on there hell yeah I'll let you go I'll yeah let you no, I'm, look dude that came out the west coast was quiet when that came yes. out with all due respect snoop was holding it down he was still doing his thing but 
that was it. It was quiet. The, the West Coast needed some gangster rap shit. Because Snoop had pretty much, he had linked up with Pharrell. Like, he was on some household name shit by the people. Murder Was the Case was long in the rear view. <clears throat> Snoop was doing commercial shit. There was no real, like, street dude, like, how the game came out to be. We know what G-Unit did. They tried to try to with G-Unit. Didn't really work. He was his own alpha male. But the game documentary is a top tier debut album and it was quite it's a shame he didn't make the 200 list on rolling stone throw the whole list away he had a point there with that because that was instrumental bro it was quiet west coast was quiet it was dead you could argue west coast was dead yeah album's undeniable like Man. you say you right it was quiet he kicked the door back open for kendrick yg yep. all of these niggas like he he game is the nigga that did that yep 100 percent. he may get um, on niggas nerves now but he did that though this one I had from Google. I can't say that I was on this, but I had to show some respect uh, for Mac Dre and okay. Thizzle Washington. The Thizzle. I have heard the Thizzle dance. Are you familiar yeah. with the Thizzle dance? Mm-hmm. So that 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 was one that probably people that we fuck with us up on the bay up in that corner up there would be very disrespected if we didn't mention Mac Dre and one of his albums. And Absolutely. That was popular one. I'm, I never got into it, but I'm 1,000% familiar and, and people definitely fuck with him heavy. Um, if I had to throw two, you just mentioned somebody, YG, my crazy life. Mm. That was modern day, authentic gangster rap. And he also included the storyteller elements in there, similar to good kid, mad city, which I think came directly from that, honestly, but that people looked at YG, like he was fresh out of the West coast trap, whatever it's called. Like he was one of the ones. Absolutely. He, he was one of them ones, dude. So it, 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 it kind of brought back that nostalgic feeling of a Snoop, you know what I mean? Or uh, of some of the more artists that you had around that time. So I definitely had YG, my crazy life. He hasn't been able to come close to that since, in my opinion. Um, I also had, I also had another one from the mid nineties, early nineties, around the time that Snoop and Dre were cooking, but this came from a less gangster, but still funk G funk sound, which is Warren G regulate. Mm. Um, I thought that debut album was fire and it just brought another version or another sound to that West Coast sign. If you didn't want to go super gangster with Dre and Snoop, you could go smooth, chill, kick back. The girls could sing to it. You know what I'm saying? I would go Warren G regulator or regulate, which was the name of the album. And the last one that I would get, that was a dope album. Um, Go DJ. And of course, yeah. and of course, regulate. Yep. Um, my last one is E40 in a major way. Yep. Uh, Sprinkle Me, man. That was on the top nine at nine. <laughs> Local Nashville countdown forever. Um, that in a major way made me buy that Charlie Hustle album. I've been a borderline E40 fan. I wouldn't say strong E40 fan. I fuck with it. You fuck like, with E40. You fuck with Earl Stevens, I man. E-40. I do. I do fuck with Earl. But I ain't not new Earl, but I, I, I fuck with old Earl Stevens 100%. Uh, so the E-40 in a major way, 100% was one for me too. And he was big on the independent game too. Facts. Way um, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So he, you got to give E-40 props. He's one of the dopest entrepreneurs. Really, he really don't get enough credit. Um, we talk about, you know, Rick Ross got franchises and stuff now. Man, E-40 been, been, been on that. <laughs> Been doing it. I'm talking about when I say been doing, I'm talking about the '90s. Now. Tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had one more too. I had guys going line when um, Hov was at the Golden State game and they dapped each other. People yeah. like Hov, no, you like nigga. Come on. That's that's disrespectful. Yeah, I done kidnapped big out here in these streets, nigga. Hell yeah, Hov better know who I am, nigga. That's big about me, nigga. Jay might have to check in with E40 yeah, back right. in the day. He come out here to the Bay, bullshitting still, nigga. Nigga, I had one more, and this is this is a mixtape, but uh, fuck it. I had Dom Kennedy, the Yellow Album, mm. um, influential, bro. How many people? How many people rapping with that slow, laid back? You know what I'm saying? We got Larry June now. You know what I'm saying? We got. There's a lot of Dom people off that Dom Kennedy tree, and if you had to pick an influential album, it's either the Yellow Album or it's from the West Side with Love too. Yeah. Um, but when, that yeah. yellow album had gold alpinas on it. That might be the tiebreaker. <laughs> um, Dom, Dom is another one of those ones, like when Chris Brown was saying, like you can write that, but everybody ain't gonna sound like Dom saying that shit. That's a fact. 
And I'm not even the biggest Dom. Per- I-, I like some of his newer shit, though. I actually like the last two Doms actually been all right, but I-, I wasn't really the best, the biggest fan of that, of his style. Although I do like some of the more recent people that have adopted that style. So, but you gotta, uh, you gotta respect the originator though. Larry June, the reason why Dom back in his bag, Larry June. Facts. Hey, his boy. Facts. That boy putting out hot fire. No, no, no nip project. I was just about to ask you before we wrapped it up. Is it too early for nip uh, victory lap? It's going to be there at some point. Just not mention it now, but we can. Uh, RIP to the legend, man. I still listen to victory lap straight through today. Uh, but so yeah, it's, at some point it's going to be mentioned there. We may just be jumping the gun out of admiration for him right now. Yeah, it's of course, going to be mentioned. I mean, you could argue maybe a mixtape though. Yeah, yeah. At Crenshaw. Yeah, Crenshaw. Crenshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could argue that because I thought I almost put Tyler on here, but that may be too soon. He got three albums in a row that were nominated for Gra- Ra- Grammy Rap Album of the Year, and all three of them were banging. So yeah, like, West Coast, like, is that what you put him under? Yeah, he, I mean, he's from the West. That's true. So he's almost like been doing. He's almost unclassifiable, like I was speaking about with that Machiavelli shit. That's true. He, like he almost like just everywhere with it, and that's a compliment, one hundred. Yeah, that, that's and that that may when we look back, that may open up doors for people that come from the West Coast to be more versatile. Right. Facts. Facts. Last one though, MC Hammer, please hammer, don't hurt him. Don't sleep on that. That shit was bang. Did you I, that's what I'm saying. Shit, nigga. Word for word, nigga. I had to MC Hammer was tough. Man. MC was that nigga. Like people are gonna laugh or may like y'all. Y'all think Drake was big? Is big? Like they Hammer was like right there. Uh, MC Hammer was a shit back in the day. Hammer was a, a like bro. That was one of the biggest acts ever. Like, I yeah. Had that tape. I remember that tape, nigga. <laughs> My mama had that tape. <laughs> <laughs> My mama <laughs> had that boy. Nigga don't sleep on Hammer. Sleep on Hammer, nigga. Run up on Hammer. <laughs> hey, hey, run up on Hammer with that bullshit. Right. Run up on him. Man, before we get out of here at the On Deck TV show, where we like to do this thing called a win or a loss. First on the docket, Slim Thug, your man, Animal Brown, he says he did not know that Lupe's song, Hip Hop Saved My Life, was about him. Win or a loss? Uh, that's a win because it wasn't like he just found out yesterday. I'm saying he didn't know. Initially. When it initially came out. And a lot of people didn't know that. Some people listening just now learned this too. So I'm gonna say that's a W. I ain't mad at him. And be like, damn. It's <laughs> I, that's very interesting. And shout out to Lupe, man. Like just a credit to his creativity and humbleness of doing yeah. it. Like I guess Lupe was a star, but you ain't a star to be writing about another nigga career at that point, I feel like. But, hey, it was dope. That song was banging, though. That's what got me on Lupe. Like, I was, I was on, on Kick Push. Yeah. It was all right. But that and Superstar, and that, and that whole album right there. What's the name of that album right there? That shit uh, the, the cool. banging. The cool. That's the cool, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that, shit, like, that shit fire right there. His, his, his first album a classic, though. Yeah, I've heard. I have to run that back at some point. Straight through. Win or a loss, your man Jim Jones says, when you see him out with security and you think it's funny, please understand that that is for your protection and not his to keep him from wilding out on you. Win or a loss, your Jim Jones still needs security for you. No, that was a win because that was funny. Um, he, he said, if you see me with a big ass security guard, nigga, that's to keep me off your ass. And that we know who that was too. Um, there's somebody who can attest to that. <laughs> So that shit was funny. Jim Jones is a comedian. He just had uh, his Breakfast Club interview with Lobby Boys. That shit was funny. Um, so it, that was good. That was a good joke. But Jim Jones is also too old to be acting like he can't have security. Like, we know it, security is a smart investment. Let's not be too cool. Let's not be too gangster. Like, let's relax. It ain't It ain't 2000. Yeah, it ain't relax, bro. We get it. You're a tough guy, but yeah. not in 2022. It's some, it's some young niggas out there that give Jim Jones time of day. I know he's <laughs> buff and he gets to it. I don't want no smoke, but it is some young niggas out there that's going to try to get their nuts off for trying to box Jim Jones. <laughs> but, man, shout out to Jim, though. Jim, one of those niggas, his aura of, like, being the tough guy, it's pretty much held up for damn near 20 years now. Like, that's true. solidified it. I looked at the Breakfast Club clip. Y'all dropped it. That was funny. Chat. That was funny. And Mano was like very like humble. Like, nah, I, I, 
I really don't even know what I was doing. Like every time, like I'm trying to get out of it. I'm trying to get the fuck out of Dodge. Every time I seen Jim them, and let you know how Jim was moving back then, boy. Cause Mayno wasn't no slouch neither. Now nah, that's what I'm saying. Like nigga, done heard stories about Mayno, and then you think about Cam when Cam was talking about the uh, story when they got into it with BMF. And like yeah. you said, Jim just went flying up. You're like, hold on, bro. It's like a hundred of them niggas, bro. Like, really, just chill out real quick, bro. Let's figure out what's going on. Like, nah, nigga, we up here. Check check out the story, Mayno and Jim Jones. They used to be. They used to have a little beef. And Envy told a story about a time when they ran into each other. Mayno was going to go head up with Jim Jones and about thirty niggas. He was with. <laughs> the story was funny. Very funny. Another win or a loss before we get out of here. Dr. Dre says he produced. Get this, 247 songs during the pandemic. That's an L, simply because we're not going to hear seven of them. I was going to say, nigga, and that's what for all we know. Yeah, for all we know, that's Detox 3, 4, 5, and 6. Now, you may as well, it may as well be the Pootie Tang song, dude. Like, we'll never hear that shit. It ain't like we'll never. Like, you're just talking, Dr. Dre. Yeah, that's give that an L as well. He probably deleted all of them already, bro. Right. Nigga, perfectionist. Nigga, just sitting there. Got goddamn 10 out of 9.9 out of 10 song. It's just missing one thing. I can't figure <laughs> it out. That 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 post-mortem, like, Dr. Dre release, that's going to be fucking crazy. Nah, that's a fact. Jeez. Uh, one more came across the wire before we get out of here. Breaking news for a bonus win or a loss. Your man Kanye West corrected some online source about his $1 million show price. He says it's $8 million. <laughs> Is that a win or a loss? That's a win because now if you see Kanye doing the show, this is how this is what you do when you get to a certain status. Okay, You price yourself to where you only have to move maybe a handful of times a year. As opposed to having yourself at one million, there's a whole lot more people that can afford you at one million. Now you gotta do more work. No, I'm gonna take these three shows for eight, <laughs> as opposed to these 24 shows for one. So that's definitely smart. And I'm Kanye West. I'm not even gonna hold you. My show probably costs six. Just to like, put together. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm spending six. <laughs> For a motherfucker to have the Kanye West experience, so I don't like—I don't even know what to tell a nigga coming to me with a million. Like you can't <laughs> even get the production of a Kanye West show. So I get this. Like this is one of those things where he ain't just—it ain't Cap, ain't one of those Forbes billion dollar. Like it. if you've ever been to a Kanye West show, you know, yeah. eight, eight million dollars for to get him booked probably is a bargain, actually. Yeah, because he gonna put like he gonna put six into it. It's going you gonna remember that show. Yeah, 100%. facts. That's, Man, that's a fact, man. On Decker of the Week, we're going to Instagram. Shout out to Just.Goat. He sent us a DM for a topic. He said, lay up episode topic, top five to ten city anthems. I said, ooh, that's pretty dope. There's a lot of, you have to think about some that are non-New York. You know, we got New York city anthems because that's all they do is talk about New York. But then you got to think a little bit. There's a couple of other city anthems that you can think about. There's some Atlanta shit. There's some other shit. You got to do it. We got to ponder on it. But that's a pretty good um, topic, man. Appreciate the suggestion. Just that go. We may, we may pull one of those out here in the next couple of weeks. You never know. Stay tapped in. Yeah, that's dope. I like that. That's going to be a, one to think through. But yeah, I, I definitely like that. That's dope. That's a fact, man. What you got to put me on? Um... Good put-ons this week for me, man. Two shows that I came across. Man, I'm a big fan of cooking shows. I uh, had a Next Level Chef I put you on not too long ago. One is called um, The Tournament of Champions. It's on Food Network. Found myself like I randomly watching it, scrolling through yesterday on 4th of July, just chilling, and watched like eight episodes the whole season before I looked up. So it's called Tournament of Champions, one of those cooking shows. It's fire. But also in the vein of cooking that's more for people that don't like that, it's a regular series show, The Bear on FX or Hulu. It's about a dude who starts a restaurant. Uh, I'll, I ain't going to tell you how he, and blow it, how, how he gets the restaurant. But it is fire. Best shit I've seen on TV this year. Easily my show of the year already, I can call it. The Bear FX. Like you said that last week. No, not the bear. I, last week I talked about the bear. There's another show, but it wasn't the bear though. I'm gonna check it out though. Uh, I'm hearing good shit about it. Um, if I had to do a put on, 
I'm gonna do a movie. I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a little bit of an older movie. It came out a couple of years ago, but I was talking to my man's on some business shit, and he hadn't seen this, and it made me think of this, and I told him to go see it, and then it made me want to go rewatch it. The founder, the story about McDonald's is complete flames, especially if you're into business. There's a lot of business gems to be learned in that movie. It is available on Tubi, on the Tubi app. Um, if you want to check it out. Who? Nobody has Tubi. It's a free app though, so no way. Tough Tubi. On, uh, free as fuck. Yeah, I saw it on Netflix. It was dope. That's a good Man, ass movie. Roy though. McDonald, ain't that his name? Roy Ray. Man, Ray Croc? Ray Croc. Yeah, he's a beast. Ray Croc was a savage, he was nigga. A beast. Uh they I, it's a show that comes on uh the history channel called Food That Built America. Where they was talking about him. They yep. got uh, some extensions of what happened after that too, if you haven't seen it. It's dope. It's a wild story, dude, and I didn't know the story of McDonald's. If you knew it, congratulations, but if you don't know it, it's worth checking out. Thanks. Fire. Um, yeah, man, we appreciate everybody tapping in as always. Let us know in the comments, what's your influential West Coast albums? We know we done left some out. Somebody from Cali is really threatened to, to like, unsubscribe and everything because we left something out. We apologize in advance. But let us know what we missed in the comments. YouTube.com slash TV and uh, Instagram at TV show. Absolutely. We are out. Yes, sir.